Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Two Naughties podcast. As always, I am joined by my good friend, Timmy Long. Hi, everyone. I am your host, James Leonard, and my cousin, Rowan, is on the decks. And this week, we have another Nari, um, a local musician um, and a local character, uh, Miles Gaffney. How's it going, lads? How's the farm, Miles? Great, lads. And look, just before we start, I just want to say it's a pleasure to be here, and the two of you should be very proud of, of what, you're, what you're after achieving in your life. Uh, for your families and, and and just for the north side in general, you've inspired a lot of fellas that I know. And look, lads, I just brought these two gifts here for you, okay? Whose one is this? This is Timmy's one. <laughs> and that's James, that's for you, boy. So Thanks, boy. basically, lads, they're, um, <laughs> they were made by a company called Lyrpix. Um, and yeah, they right. asked me to present well, them to you this evening. And well, they do, good. they do, um, Songs, print any song you want and, and frame it for you for a very small fee, very it's reasonable. Very cool, isn't it? So, lads, look, I hand wrote them myself and I put in personalised verse five and verse six for yourselves. So, the two Norries are after their own verse. Immortalised. You're immortalised forever, lads. I was, think, I was thinking on the way down um, a song, you know, the ballad is in me now. Huh? I'll tell you a story what happened to me. <laughs> Maybe Christ. Christy Moore might give us a bash with that or uh, give us a hand with you the lyrics to that. You couldn't fit that into the song. That'd be an opera. <laughs> yeah. I know, but oh, that's beautiful. Geez. Thanks a million, no, by. As I say, it was supplied by Lyrpix. Um, yeah. Check them out. And um, look, I wanted it to be kind of a bit authentic. So like, mm-hmm. instead of yeah. rather than printing the lyric, I, I wrote it and he yeah. scanned them then for you. So. It's perfect. Thanks, Miles. Anyway, give us a blast off in a minute. Yeah. Well, of course. That's the job. That's the job you brought. You're good to hell, man. I did. Mm. You know what? You're, the, you're about the fourth or fifth musician we'd had on yeah. already. We'd had Victoria Keating, um, Anla as a musician yeah. that was here last week. Was uh, the Druids, Mick, Mick O'Brien. Mick O'Brien. Yeah. Who else? Uh, Rebecca. Rebecca. No, no, that, that was, was Victoria. Yeah, the girl that plays Declan Sinnott. Yeah, that was Victoria, yeah. 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 yeah, but we have had a good few, so we might get an old, uh, an Ari, um, yeah. an Ari band going on. We, had, we had the poet, we had um, Owen, Owen, Owen his, yeah. his poem, right, which is yeah. beautiful, as well as about gambling addiction. Yeah, so we've had o- t- Owen Coyne. Yeah, that's I right. He was, yeah, yeah, very like interesting him, yeah. guy, actually. Yeah, well, actually, yeah. yeah. I, I listened to it, yeah. I'd say there's yeah, a song. Like, he was all right, like. There's definitely a song there, Miles. Definitely, yeah. There's a song in every show you've done, to be honest, like. A lot of people will know you. But a lot of people who watch the podcast might not know you. For those who don't know you, who are you and where are you from? Well, my name is Miles Gaffney and um, I'm born and on Redemption Road on the north side of Cork City. It's something I'm very proud of because Redemption Road is, and St Mary's Road is like the real north side really before the rest of it was built. Mm. Um, so I, it's, it's for people that's from Cork but might not be familiar with the north side... 
You're just above Thomas Davis Street, off Blackpool. Yeah, Neptune Stadium. Yeah, Neptune Stadium. That's where that's where it's built. It's next left to the and man. right. Yeah. yeah, my grandmother's house is next to the man. Yeah, you know, right next to the school. Um, I'm very proud of where I come from. Um, both my parents, our neighbours. My dad was from the start of them road, and my mother was straight across the road. So my two grandmothers, the O'Neills and the Gaffneys, we could see each other's house. Um. I had a great childhood, really, to be honest, growing up in that area. Um, we had one kind of, I suppose, my mother died when I was young. She died when I was 10. But, you know, like, um, outside of that kind of setback in my life and my sister's um, at the time, um, we had a great life. My dad was is a great man. Um, we never wanted for anything. We had a great rearing. And I always kind of try to base my my actions and the way I live on my on my father because he's my my yeah. role model, you know. Um, I do, yeah. I always I always try to copy, well, not copy him and be him, but what he taught me, I try to carry out in my own life. Um, so years later, then my, my father remarried a woman called Sarah, and they had more children, and unfortunately, they, they buried a, a sister of mine then as well. Uh, Grace, God rest her. Um, she had plenty of tragedy in the family. So we, we had, we had, but I suppose f- from from a young age, myself, um, and everyone kind of copped this on. I said this two or three weeks ago when I met you in the shop. I, I've been search, searching, you know, there's something missing in my life, all my life, and I finally nailed it. Um, couple, maybe about a year ago, it's actually, I'm lacking a mother's love. Mm-hmm. All my life, mm-hmm. and um, I was in a few relationships. I married now, but kind of thinking back, maybe the relationships in my eyes weren't working. Is because I was looking for that love from another female that I was in a relationship, or you know, mm-hmm. and so that's why I was saying that she wouldn't be for me and all that because I was searching for something that nobody else could give me, mm-hmm. and I'm actually satisfied now in my life that that is what I'm, I'm missing and mm. my dad always said to me like would you not go out see a counsellor and have a chat and I was saying that so I have it all in control so. but looking back now I probably will take him up on the offer when this is over and um, just, just just get to the bottom of this once and for all yeah but your mother was Kay Kay yeah she was a friend of my auntie Claire mm. during school she was a beautiful looking lady she was God love she, yeah. she was meant to be lovely by all accounts mm. have you got fond memories of her or is, is it a haze at uh, the stage or no I I, I don't I, but you know it's amazing how things stick with you in your life um, I can tell you here this evening where I was <clears throat> and who I was with and who brought me to see my mother before she died it was only kind of that night it, it dawned on me what was happening. Mm. I was only 10. Mm. I was down in, in my auntie Fina's house down in Rickson's Lane. But all our family came from there anyway and they all lived there. Where's Rickson's Lane? Rickson's Lane. So, you know, um, St Mary's Road where St Vincent's School is and there's yeah. a small corner shop there. Yeah. If you go down the steps, the side of the shop, yeah. that's Bunkers Hill, okay. right? But when you go left, there's a little lane. Brings yeah, you down. Yeah. That's Rickson's lane. Oh, I see, yeah. And you should be down there on the hop from the man smoking house. That's, that's, <laughs> that's why it's called Bunkers Hill. <laughs> but but um, I, I remember I, I was the film on the telly 
was the bodyguard, was the film. Uh, my aunt's husband, Barry Murphy, he was minding me. Um, and I remember Barry, like, I'd always, cover your eyes, here's the wobbly bits. And you'd be sitting all like that, and you'd have your finger open, trying to see a bit, like. Yeah. And uh, there was a knock on the door, and the man at the door was a man named Donald Galvin. And he, the two of them went outside the door. And I, I, to this day, I remember it, like, saying, no, there's something, there's something not right here. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, Gally putting his hand in and saying, come on with me. I remember he brought, brought, put me into his car and we went down by St. Vincent's and just to make me laugh, he drove through between the wall and, and the light post to make me laugh, you know? Yeah. And uh, on the footpath, like, and uh, we went up to the house anyway, and I, I remember it. And that, I remember my brother in there, I remember who was there. And that's where I got that song years later, Come Hold My Hanson, because I remember that's what she said to me, Come over here and hold my Hanson. Mm. And, like, I was there for maybe half an hour or something, and should the next day in, and I woke up, she was gone, like. Yeah. Uh, was it cancer? Yeah, yeah, God love her, yeah. Probably if it was there today, there'd be no problem. But mm-hmm. sure, like, they didn't have what to have today, and she would have lived, but yeah. it was after spreading to vital organs, and yeah. a young woman, 33, like. <coughs> was that's me, younger than what I am, no? It was my two yeah. sisters, Kate and Caroline, um, were, were very young. And, um, you know, I remember then, um, Afterwards, I used to kind of pretend then going to school and stuff that my aunt was my mum just to be boys, like the boys be talking about their mum, and I'd be saying, That's my mum as well. Like, mm. I used to pretend my aunt just represent me in school, like, you know. And uh, I used to be, but then, then it was about 12 one day, I remember it, like, I just said to myself, you know, st- I used to be crying in my room or whatever, and, and, I, and I said, um, You know, d- d- this is what certain set out for me in life, and that I have to um, accept it. Mm. And after that, I didn't bother with it no more. Put it in the back of my head and said, drive on. Mm. Don't dwell on this. And to this day, from from doing that back then, Grace would always say to me, like, Miles, well, a bit of compassion, boy. But I said, Grace, like, they're gone. You know, yeah. that's life. That people have died and I, I wouldn't dwell on it. I'd say they live their life now and God called them. Mm. And well, it'll happen to me someday and that's it. You know, see people dwelling on death and mm. they can't get over it. Well, I'd have no problem in getting over or something like that, like, because I've done it before. Yeah. And I've no problem in facing death. It's another part of life, really, like, isn't it? Yeah. Like, by all accounts, your your mother, she brought the kids into the world and um, she had a big impact on people, you know, so mm-hmm. might have been here for a short time, but used it well. And, you know... I have a conversation with my wife as well. She, I hope she don't mind me saying it, but she's always very anxious about mm. death, you know? Yeah. Now, don't worry about it, because you've no control over it, and just use your time while you're here. And if yeah. it comes, it comes. That's, that's, it's part of it. You, you can't control that. Mm. And if you can't control something, you can't give it energy, you know? So it's just, it's just an unfortunate thing when it happens so young, when you've so much life left. But you know, she'd be very proud of you today anyway. You know, and your father did a great job because, it would be very easy there a few miles in your coming into your teenage years when people experiment with alcohol and drugs. Like, you know, mm. I don't know if you did or not, but um, maybe all the characteristics were there for somebody to run with alcoholism there, do you know what I mean? And, and yeah. start drowning out all that, that trauma and that sadness and that hurt and that pain. Um, but you didn't, so fair play to your father, he give he helped yeah. you with the coping skills to get through that. He and, did. And your mother. Because they said... Show me the eight year old or the seven year eight year old or whatever, and I show you the man. Yeah. And all your programs, all your habits and stuff, they're all 
gained at that age, like, yeah. you know, and, and you can see where you are with your nature. And I've met you a good few times. Like, your parents have done a great job with you, like. Yeah, thanks you know? very much, Timmy. Like, yeah. even, I was blown away. I got very emotional when I see the, the, yeah. the, the frames, like, well, and listening to your mother's story, because you know, I lost my mother to, to mental health yeah. issues as well, suicide and, you know, I, I was looking at your face and, and I could see that there is, there still is a bit of healing around it. There is, that's what I need to get yeah. to the bottom of now. And this was in the back of my mind too, there was always, geez, you're on about now, like the drugs and drinking and stuff, like these and, and, and the five pound deal and the 10 pound deal yeah. was all, the, all the in my time. But there was always in the back of my mind about, geez, my mum be watching me doing this and I'd be leaving her dumb. She'd be sad. No, she saw me now. Because I'm very religious. Yeah. And I was brought up that way. And uh, so I always, like, said, so my mum was above in heaven here and I'm watching me here and tonight. Like, fucking ways by, don't do it, even though don't. Yeah. But the real reason why I never went down that road is because for me, very young boy, 13, I used to frequent the Sinn Féin office in Barrack Street. Um I kind of started, I took a deep interest in Irish history and stuff when I was about 10 or 11. Uh, very wrong. My uncle Liam would have bred me into the, the songs, the yeah. old tones now, and Christy Moore. And I remember, like, he used to have an old fiesta. And do you know the, do you know the drive up Fitzgerald's Park where you go mm. up by the bridge and it, it opens up? Yeah. He'd have all of us in the car, like all, all the nephews, like, and he'd be, he'd be going up the big, the big gear stick. Mm. And I, he'd have torn up Liston Varna up blasting, yeah. and I, he'd be saying, Go on, Wiley. And I'd be saying, Oh, Liston Varna, but I was only about three or four. Yeah. And then he'd say, Walk well, up on two wheels. And then, and all of us be in the back like that up against <laughs> each other. But he, he bred all them songs into me, and it was kind of like when, when I got to the age then of looking into history. It was like, sure, that's what that song's about. Mm. That's, that's what that, so I started piecing it together. Yeah. And anyway, going forward, when I went into secondary school then, I met two guys who, who were, uh, who had deep connections with the Irish Republican Socialist Party. Um, and they were, they were well advanced mm. where, from where I was coming from. Um, so they taught me that there was a Sinn Féin office. So I started going over there to a normal, no, I just slipped down the industry, straight through and up there. I was buy a book now or I get an old CD and that's how it kind of started out. And then I started going there every Wednesday just buying a few bits and pieces, educating myself. And then I kind of struck up a friendship with Mick Nugent. Oh, yeah, and Mick, yeah. um, so then I was kind of left wandering there. I was left in the back and I might get an old job. You know, they'd say, do you want to do them there? I'd be getting the leaflets together or the young publix to be sold at the weekend, yeah. all little things like that. And um, so... At the time, Sinn Féin were massive anti-drugs. They had big posters up and they were, they were very active in yeah. that area. And, um, I suppose I got to know a couple of high, high-ranking Republicans then. And, um, I think, I think it's, it's from being around them that I, I didn't bother yeah. because I was afraid that they, they'd say, get out of here, you, mm. you, you were smoking giants the other night. Mm. We heard about it. And I didn't bother with it. I, I never bothered with, with yeah. that. And all the boys now would be taking yokes. And, yeah. you know, I remember a fella there, one, he was down the farmer's field, like, and he, he, his runners were melted on his feet. And everyone was out of it except me. And I remember standing there. I remember your brother was there the same night now as well. And I remember standing there saying, is there anybody going to do anything for this fella here? 
And Tommy's always there, boy. And we, we, we know, we know, we know the guy that was in the fire ourselves, like. And I remember going on pulling him out, like, in the club. And, and the runners were melting on his feet, like, because everyone was just out of it. And I was saying that. This is not for me at all. So I, I think, I, there was a woman actually said to my aunt one time, she said, my son, she said, never brought any trouble to my door as much as she said, as I didn't like him going over there. She said, he never brought any trouble to my door once he was with them people mm. because it wasn't tolerated. There mm. was, it was, there was a disciplined structure. You wouldn't even have to be disciplined. Yeah. You would just get that vibe that these people are disciplined. And you don't step out of the line. Yeah. And I think I followed that. Isn't it just goes to show it's all about the, the context and environment as well? Like, uh, at a similar age, we would have been in a very different uh, social context where drug use was very prevalent and accepted. And maybe you would get frowned upon if you didn't use drugs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas you you were in a situation that was complete opposite. You know? so, yeah. I think, I think, I think it done me the world of good... Um, you know, as I said, I, I, was, I was quiet for years, and then I, I was seeing someone, or whatever, and the old man got wind of it at the time, and of course he was worried. I didn't know it was I after joining, or yeah. was I been trained, but there was none of that. Like, yeah. I mean, I completely denounced violence. Yeah. Um, what, what actually drew me to it, I had a poster in, in, in my bedroom then, and I said, Shea Guevara, freedom can be won without a struggle. Mm. And I, I read into that then. And that's why I would still vote for Sinn Féin today is because I believe in their peace strategy and yeah. uh, I think it's great for Ireland and long may it continue. Mm. But as in violence, I wouldn't I wouldn't favour it at all and that's the truth because I wouldn't have a violent bone in my body. And you know, you know I, liked, I liked the evolution of Sinn Féin from those early days that you were involved where it was drug users were almost frowned upon or stigmatised. But I think Sinn Féin have come a long way since then. And I think there's more of an understanding that these drug users and people in addiction, the homeless people, they're not other people. They're your, they're, they're people in your community and they're your, your children, sons and daughters. And I think Sinn Féin has, um, been very progressive around, um, how they speak around homelessness, drugs, housing, stuff like that. Um, I think the old adage of a republic, if you were a Republican, you know, you wouldn't dare and, you know, associate yourself with somebody that used drugs or that have been in prison. But I think now Sinn Féin realises that, um, it's just the criminalisation of poverty. Do you know what I mean? That's what it is. That's what a prison environment is. If you went to prison miles doing a gig, which I hope you do someday, you'll see that in prisons is poor people. It's all poor people. 99% is poor people. And we shouldn't stigmatise and other those people because they're the people from our communities. Yeah. And I think Sinn Féin have that now. They have. You know? I, I, I do know with Jonathan O'Brien, who's finished mm-hmm. up in Thomas School, that's there now. Um, but a lot of those, lot of those uh, people in Sinn Féin are Thomas School and whatever are the TDs around the place, a lot of them would have families like that are in prison, that yeah, are on the streets from class. drug addiction and, and things like that. It's, yeah. it's, I remember Timmy, a high-ranking Republican at the time, his name was Mitchell McLaughlin. It was the first time that I ever attended a, such a, a gathering and I went along kind of trying to suss this out and see what the story is. And like he spoke that night of what actually is happening right now today. Like he, I remember like him, him tell, addressing the audience, telling them like that this is where we're going. Like, and anybody who thinks that like this, this campaign of violence is, is, it's not. This is the road we've set out. It's a peace road. 
and he spoke about decommissioning and 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 the Good Friday Agreement and all that. Back then, this is late nineties, two thousand. So they actually followed through, and a lot of the guys know that I would have known back then. Like some of them went their own way, some of them didn't bother anymore. You know, some of them went to different groups, and I I know all them boys too. When I say a lot of them, there's no bother. Um, they respect me, and I respect them. But what you're saying there is like that. They, they definitely changed for the people for the working class areas. Yeah, to include everybody. Exactly. You know, I think I think they definitely did. And you know, when I hear McNugent, and you know, we've got great representation for Sinn Féin on our side, like. You know, because why? Because they speak on our behalf. And when I, when I'm listening to the, the politics and stuff like that, I feel represented by Harrison Fan speaking. And it could be, you know, Owen O'Brien, or it could be um, Pierre Starty or Mary Lou Macdonald. When I hear them speaking, I feel like, you know what? They're speaking my language, and I don't, I don't get that connection with the other parties. You know, so I, I do feel like that. Um, Sinn Féin is a good time, and I've offered Sinn Féin too. I'm a member as well, yeah. although I'm not active because yeah. I was a mem- I became a member, and then we started the podcast, and I tried to be apolitical because you know it's the yeah. what the issues mean to me. Talk about on the podcast, they can't be partisan. Do you know what I mean? They have to have cross party support. You know, it, it can't be like um, we it, can't have people falling out with the, the yeah. podcast because of uh, their side and the political. It's the same on a music, political level, and that's why I'm not a member of because the we yeah. those people could possibly at the end be somebody that's really struggling, and then all of a sudden they might be belong to one party or believe in one party, and uh, we might be talking about a different party here, yeah. and they could leave, and, and the yeah. chance of whatever help they could get from listening to this yeah. or listening to something else down the line uh, is gone. But listen, we all we all have our own beliefs. We've exactly. all like you have a belief, I have a belief, and and, and they're very similar. Yeah. And saying that, no, like as much as I like Sinn Fein today, if fucking boy, if the world turned upside down and all of a sudden Fine Gael or exposing progressive politics around housing and drug policy and decriminalisation stuff like that, I'd give them kudos if it was due. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Or I'd support uh, the Labour Party if I felt that they had the better policies. So I'm not about the party, I'm about the policies. Yeah. And at the moment, I think Sinn Féin have the best policies from pe- for people like me. Mm-hmm. So that's why I would vote Sinn Féin. But mm-hmm. if that changed in the morning, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be blind fair either. Although, like, obviously from a Republican family myself, you know, I would be connection with uh, Sinn Féin and that as well. But um, that's enough of Sinn Féin. That's <laughs> enough, yeah. We get turned off by the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so the, the, but long story short, anyway, you were involved in fan as a teenager, and that yeah. kept you on the straight and narrow. Definitely, yeah. And um, then I suppose I, I, my music started then from fellas I, 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 I met down through the years. Um, I was playing music as a young flat. I actually thought I was in Queen. Uh, I used to have uh, two dishes, two pots, and two. Wooden spoons, and it, my old man had um, Queen Live in Wembley on a cassette. And uh, I'd be sitting down there playing away in the front room. Jesus, I was only about five or six, like yeah. banging, making noise. So then, when I was about 10, uh, 11, after my mother died, um, the Manning Brothers Band, you know, they were, they were neighbours of ours. Their Jerry Manning was our neighbour. I was around with his son, Kieran. Kieran had a practice drum kit in his house. They, you could fold these up like that, like, you know. 
So I couldn't wait to get up to King Lawrence and rattle off the drums that were real. And then, uh, me, I got started getting drum music lessons then of Sean Ford out in Talker. Um, my old man bought me, um, a Pearl Export drum kit. At the time, no, they were like the Mercedes of drum kits, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I had one anyway. And I went all the way up to level three then in, in Trinity College in London in, in read music. I kind of got fed up with that then, so when I was about 13 then, I got the guitar. Uh, I got taught three chords by Trevor St. Ledger. And, uh, I kind of took, took, taught myself after that. I started writing songs then when I was about 13 or 14. Uh, I actually found them, believe it or not, my nan's attic in a bag last year. It was brilliant to look back on them. Yeah, like, I can imagine. Uh, very childish lyrics, no one yeah. had this kind of thing. But, um, and that was grand. Nobody knew then that I, that I was doing that, like, that I, I was able to do this um, for years and years and years. Like, it was you the kept it yourself. That I could play all these instruments. I could play loads of instruments. It was like pick it up and play it. Yeah. Uh, I remember Pad the Piper one day gave me his bagpipes and he was slagging me. Bet you wouldn't have to be there. Not there. And uh, up the cold with me, I feel. And I uh, said, Give me them. I was bellowing away and it was not happening. And he's laughing. I said, Yeah, take them back. And Pat was playing the nation once again. And the wife said, I see his tongue doing that. So he gave it back to me then. I said, Ha, Valve. Yeah. I got a song over him anyway, like, you know. But I just had that ability to, to pick him yeah. up and play him. Do you know, the, the pipes especially. I think, do you know, when I hear, and, no, when I pulled in here a while ago, I did the music blast and it was a Planksty, uh, She Vyog, She It's yeah. a, it's a jig. Yeah. And Liam O'Flynn plays the, the Ilham pipes. pipes. But they're unbelievable sound. And when yeah. I, know, when I hear that sound, it makes me feel Irish. Like yeah. I know I'm Irish when I hear that type of music because the hair stand up in the back of my neck. Mm-hmm. So oh. proud gems. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. I actually have them on all my new music, like, and the lads hate Ilham Pipes because they, because they take so long to tune into. You have to go note by note because they're they're kind of an off tuning of a D. But anyway, we're gonna we're gonna have, yeah. have no tunings. But so there was a, a band in Cork called the All Volunteer Pipe Band, based in Yall, obviously. And um, what started to happen over the years was is a lot of members of the city now were in the all band, more than the all people, and it was decided that I was asked would I would I be interested in getting involved in starting a pipe band in Cork. So again, back to the, the Sinn Féin Hall. There was a meeting in the Sinn Féin Hall anyway, and um, there was three or four of us there, and it was decided on the night that this band would be called the McCurtain McSweeney Band. And... Um, I, I was basically given the job to build it and, and I did and I did and we had a fantastic band so that then was my first time getting confidence to play an instrument in public mm. I could play the drums I could play the the, the, the fife it was no problem um, and it was through that then uh, Don Bullman you know yeah, that he worked at the services Don rang me one day and he said I'd start up a band he said he said I'd love for you to come in on the flute and I said, Dan, no, I taught him nothing about the other instruments, or that I, I could sing it, blast the tune. And we went up to Dan's anyway, he'd the rest of the band in the room. He said, this is my little cellar, lads, I'm bringing him in on the flute. I was an awful wreck. He said, no, you know, Dan, I'm singing where they are. Go on. <laughs> and I was like, here. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, go on, go on. Lads, play that there for him there. <laughs> and I was like, oh, he's on the corner. Sing it up, come on, come on, come on, sing it up. Anyway, that was fine. It was a gig then Saturday night. 
he gave me the list of songs to learn and, and the keys, what, what what key they were to be in. And uh, my first ever live gig that paid me to play was in a hotel down in Ballybunion. And uh, I remember it was about four songs into the gig and it, it was my turn then to sing. And I remember he was looking over at me going, and it was, I was saying, he thinks this is so normal. Like, and I was shaking. Like, I went up anyway, I was back home in Derry or something. I sang it anyway, and I never looked back since. And, um, you know, Don, Don was very good to me. And, you know, like, I left all the, you know, ignoring fellas, no one all that. I put all that behind me years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't carry no grudges. Yeah. I used to be wanting past fellas in your 20s that scored a goal against New Fam when we were 14. Do you know? We thought hot name a lot. Like yeah. all this stupid, silly stuff. Yeah. And, of course, I had left the band and fellas were telling me all these little stories and I was getting married at the time and something. I, I always regret it, like. Uh, and Don knows this, like, didn't, I, I believe that Don had said something about me and he didn't. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I never invited him and it, to my wedding and Amanda was very good to me and still is. Always good to drop a birthday card up to the kids and things like mm-hmm. that. But he understood, like, look, it was my fault. I put my hand up. But I, I, that's one regret I have that I didn't give the man mm-hmm. an invitation because he's still to this day very good to me. Like, And um, he watches the podcast. Yeah, does he? All right, he does, uh, <laughs> I walked with Dan over from the Simon. Yeah, that's where he is. Yeah. And um, his wife, Marla, and his sons are very, very good to me. And um, that was the start. But so I, I wanted to write songs. I approached the band about it. I said, lads, uh, you know, I said, um, this... Some of the lads wanted to play heavy, heavy rebel songs. Like uh, Spirit of Freedom, heavier, or all type stuff. Heavier. Really? Uh, modern day stuff. And uh, that that was fine. And then Dan didn't want to play kind of any of it at all. I was okay with the kind of wolf tones and that. Yeah. Because... People don't know, like, what you're singing about. You get away with Gary Owen now and them old ones and the yeah. crowd be hopping. But if you sang a modern day, when the crowd are looking and saying, mm. what's going on here? Mm. So, like, my heart was, was, was in my country with my people. Like, I love my people, my country, my flag. I mean, it's not a crime to, to mm. love your culture. Um, I felt then that our culture was under threat and somebody needed to, to come up here with new, new songs. So, basically, in the long run... They were all kind of in there going, I'm not singing that and he's singing that. And one day, you know, it was just a bit of an energy biology happened and I said nothing and I just unplugged my equipment and took off. Don rang me afterwards, where are you? I said, I said, it's all over, but I said, ah, just no, no, no. I said, no, it's, I'm doing yeah. this. And, Did uh, you, do you feel more comfortable singing about, we spoke with Anna or Caroline a few weeks ago. You might have heard the podcast. It was excellent. But we spoke about, um, being able to celebrate, um, being able to celebrate uh, incidents in the Republic from historical violence where we would be fighting for freedom, like Kill Michael and yeah. another. Uh, but the lads in the north not being able to, like, yeah. if if they celebrate, frowned upon. So I suppose the question I might ask you is, uh, were you or people do you know more comfortable singing about historical victories like, you know, the boys of Kill Michael and would the, the the more um, modern or recent conflict songs would they be seen as more radical or yes? So like I remember, I give you an example. I remember going to a place in Donrel one night. I went in first. I sussed the crowd out. Age, what we were looking at. So coming back out to the lads, I said, lads, this is the age group we have. We'll stick to the pogs and yeah. you know, furies and 
Right, we went in anywhere. He started off at you know, the Irish Rover or something anyway. Yes, they're all up. Safe bed. Safe bed. All flying. The next thing, just going to, um, song anyway was heavy. It was a heavy, heavy Republican ballad. And, and I said, don't want, I said, don't like. Mm. It was a very long song as well, about seven minutes long. And I said, if you sing that, I said, we're going to lose this, like. And by the time he opened his eyes when he was finished that song, I tell you now, the bar was almost empty. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I said, I told you, uh, I don't care I'm singing it. And that, that's fine. That was, that was, that was all grand, but. Just against the code, like. There were, co- of course, like, you know, um, I, I, I had a fellow one day, like, like, standing in front of me with the chest up, like. <laughs> you know, as if to say, like, I hear ballads. Yeah. I hear that, he was saying to me. And I was like, and the man asked me to sing it, but calm down. Standing with his point, like, in front of me, like, with the chest up, like. Uh-huh. As if to say, go on, you know. Okay. Do you know? And then I had another guy come up to me afterwards and say, what did he say? Two devil go. <laughs> Do you know? And if I had told him, they would have been punches to him. Fucking battered each other inside the pub. I, I went on the songwriting road then and um, I never looked back since. Um, and your songs are about, uh, a lot of them are around social issues, aren't they? Yeah. Um, again, you know, Irish history um, uh, or events mm. or people. And our, our social issues and things that are faced by um, modern day working class Ireland. Yeah. Um, I've wrote songs for every, every aspect. And I kind of formed this thing now uh, where like every album will have something about sport, will have something about drugs, will have something about the conflict in Ireland, it'll have something about, you know, a historical event, a football match, whatever it may yeah. be. But, um, I, I, I really enjoy in the writing. I, I found a technique. I was taught it in school, believe it or not, up in the North Man. Um, I enjoyed going to school because I love school. The only thing I refused to do in school was French. And I got into an awful lot of trouble for it because I said to them, so I don't want to talk French at all. Mm-hmm. I'd rather do an extra class of Irish. Yeah. Because that's my native language. Why, why, why am I learning French? Right. I'm moving to France. Yeah. And I, um, I actually touched down, I contacted the teacher, a fellow called Michael Minahan. He taught me history, right? And I was in higher level history. So in higher level history, you're, you're leaving such, you, you could get any five topics, but you'd have a special topic then, which you pick yourself. At the time, I picked Roger Casement, right? And Banner Strand. Mm-hmm. That was my, so you, you had that essay in the bag before you went in. Mm. And then you could have two from European history and two from Irish history. It could be anything. It could be Bismarck, the Reformation. It could be anything. Yeah. And then you could have any aspect of Ireland. And uh, a lot of the lads in school, you know, they'd be writing five pages of, of an essay. Like, so he'd done five pages. So he left and said, that was good. But an awful lot of it was irrelevant information. Mm. Fellas repeating things they had said in a different wording in another paragraph. So Mr. Minehan taught me this technique of where you took the title, right, of the song and, like, don't move then. That's the subject and don't move from that. Anything that's not related to this title is irrelevant. And then you'd write down, say, I don't know, say, Easter 1916, say, right, Easter 1916, right, next one, uh, Rebellion, next word, what else happened, uh, the seven signatories, right? The, all their names and Kilmainham Jail and Collins Street, the GPO, all that. And you build your song around that then. Do you know? And that's the technique I use to write my songs today. Yeah. And I, I told him and all, and he was delighted. I told him on the phone. 
And yeah. he had a saying, you know, it was all in the railing. And <laughs> I, I, I went, I was hanging up the phone. He said, Mr. Minehead. Yeah, I said, tis all in the railing. And he got a, he said, Why is my rat making me day? He said, yeah. He was laughing. Uh, That's a nice story, though. I went to the yeah. man as well. I think I was in the air below you, was I? He would have been, yeah. I, but I, I was, uh, you sounded like you were a well rounded young fly, was kind of at me game in that school. I spent most of my time outside Murty Murakou's office. Murty, yeah. And I got into a lot of trouble. I loved history, like yourself, especially Irish history, it was my strongest subject, and geography. And yeah. I dropped the two of them after my junior so because I didn't, I didn't like the teachers. And I did two couple of foundations for me. It was just a waste of time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I'd love to have. Do you know if I? I'd have loved to have embraced it then. Do you know what I mean? But I learned loads afterwards. You know, it was just uh, very contrasting experiences of the same school at the same time. Yeah, I, 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 the first song I ever recorded was on Vanish the Hoigabu. It was a tester. It was a. It was just to see was I able for it. Yeah. Vanish the Hoigabu. Um, I. I I recorded that. That was my first ever time going to record in the studio. I I done that, um, and then after that, then I I started with Roy Keenan and uh, actually Marty Murph. I wrote a song for Teddy McCarthy after reading his book mm. Teddy Boy, and uh, Marty is in the song. Marty and Donald Grady because they oh, were Donald two, was the principal were, in the AG, wasn't yeah, he? and he was the cock manager, yeah, and, and yeah, he, right, he was yeah. the principal and. Dedicated Holland man, Marty yeah. was a fierce Holland man. Yeah, he was. And yeah. uh, Don Lug Radio, Marty Murphy, captain, and he won the Dr. Hartley Cup. Mm. That's the line of the song, yeah. Can you yeah. remember Sean O coming up with uh, Liam McCarthy when yeah. you had Yeah, Roll Up the L. Happy Days, boy. Yeah, yeah. Sean Ogan did A lot of your songs are, are about people like that. You've actually gone to live with people and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, like. I see you mentioning there in your um, podcasts about Christy Moore sending the email as well. Yeah. Um, uh, one time, uh, one of my songs ended up with Christy Moore and a couple of my songs actually, a chap, Pat Ryan, Pat Ryan Music Services. Uh, I, I befriended Pat's daughter, her wife, and now Keelan Kenny is the man who plays with me all the time and records with me all the time. Um, so... I befriended Sarah and then I got to know her dad and he said, look, give me the song now. I'll get it to be fair. Like, and I was like, really? Um, so a friendship built up. And one evening then um, I was on um, Facebook and Pat posted uh, that a picture of a painting and that he was going to, to Glasgow with this painting. And I was trying to figure out the painting. It was um, a guy in, um, you know, a... Uh, College, nobody with the 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 yeah, the, 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 the hat. The, yeah. uh, but, but it was all fire, and there was a, a demon in the fireplace behind his mm. head. And I was saying, that fella looks like Paddy Hill from the Birmingham Six. And um, I had read up and looked into the Birmingham Six for years. You know, I knew all about it. So I text Pat and said, "What? What's the story with the picture?" He says, "That's a painting." He said, "And we're going over." to the Miscarriage of Justice Organisation in Glasgow, myself and Christy Moore tomorrow, and we're going to give it to Paddy Hill. And I said, I knew that was Paddy Hill. So I said to him, do you know when you're over there, Paddy said? Tell Paddy Hill. I said, I'll come over there. I said, and I'll write a song about Paddy Hill. And he says, no problem. And he takes me then from over there. That's clear, he said. Here's the phone number. Ring that number. And I did. I followed it up. I went over. I hung around with Paddy for a while. Got the song. And it's not because I wrote it or made it or produced it. Like, this is on the new album and it's a belt of a song. Mm. The music, the piper and all that mm. is it's real Irish. It's real. It gives the real, um, 
like it was the real feeling of what actually happened to this man because mm. he was there like I got it off the horse the horse's moat like mm. um, do you know I seen a documentary that was like a fly in the wall thing Paddy Joe Hill was a part of it it was around miscarriages of justice yeah um, but it was a very sad to see at, 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 at that time he was kind of living on his own his mental health wasn't yeah. great the best yeah. years of his life was gone he was still very hurt and very bitter about it and rightly so but it was it's sad wasn't it, it was yeah like, I brought him to Cork I I, I was at it down in the commons wasn't yeah it? I brought him to Cork um, and uh, like he can I tell you one quick fat funny story about that night I went into the jacks for a piss down the commons that night that place now was full of fucking republicans you know what I mean yeah well. I went into the pub, into, I don't drink, I don't take drugs, no nothing. I went in for the piss and anyway, drying my hands, this fiend says to me, and he, and he knock, and he knock. <laughs> I says, what? And he knock, no? And he called me by a name that's not my name, yeah. do you know what I mean? I says, who do you think I'm not, huh? Miles, is it? I said, I'm not Miles, no, but I said, go ain't around me. <laughs> I, I went out to my old dad, I says... Anybody could have been inside the cubicle there thinking I'm selling coke at a fucking at a fucking IRA show. You got kicked all over the Chinese whispers there, I get a bullet in the back of the head coming up the common road. Jeez, I mean, he said to me, but Paddy, Paddy spoke a lot about post-traumatic stress. Yeah. And he wrote another song actually called, uh, it's a very, I only played it once or twice now because I don't want to be playing all the time. Where were you when you were 21? Um, John Splane yeah, like, it's been yeah. very good to me as well. And uh, Prendeville and, and Joe Duffy have been very, very good to me. Like, yeah, I've heard John Prendeville a, a few times. Yeah, very good. And John Spillane, uh, I, I, I ring him the odd time for a couple of support slots and all, and he's, he said, uh, he'd be slagging me, like, one day there's no miles by, you'll get there, you'll get there always, he'd be saying. One day there's no, you'll have a song like mine, you know, slagging. But uh, <laughs> when he heard where when you, when you were 21, he said to me, there you have it, boy, he says. Fair play to you. That's it. That's it, he says. And you keep now writing songs like Where Were You When You Were 21, he said. And you'll, you'll definitely progress, Miles. And he was yeah. serious. The ball hop was gone now. He said yeah. it to me. He actually said it to me twice, you know. Yeah. Um, so there's the, the writing again, you know, with Liam Miller, Roy Keane, Teddy Mac, yeah. um, Big Joe. Like, I mean, I write in songs, right, that no one will write, basically. Mm. Can I ask you about Big Joe Joyce? Yeah. Because I didn't see that one coming at all, like, no do you know what I mean? Sure. Tell us about the process, how that came about. Um, so, uh, <laughs> a fella called uh, Doxy Carroll, Donny Carroll, Donny was the founder of Finnegan's Wake, the band. Finnegan's Great Wake. band, uh, that was probably one of the favourite yeah. bands, yeah. Uh, Donny um, moved to America years ago, oh, I don't know, 30 years ago. Uh, I... I I've I made him a few times now and whatever, but we were talking songs on the internet one night and um, he sent me a lot of information about a beer knuckle boxer back in the 1800s. Supposedly this fella uh, founded beer knuckle boxing. From, he was from Waterford, Sullivan, I think. Uh, he emailed me all this stuff anyway, Duxy did, and I was on through it anyway. And I said, this stuff is never ending. Like, do you know what? Like, there was so much reading in it that like I couldn't even pin a topic or a line in it to extract far at the beginning of a song yeah. and uh, that was that was grand I thought more of it and then uh, I, I bumped into this fellow called Paddy Riley but his nickname is Paddy Guiney but he's a Riley and he's from Waterford and uh, I, I know it was up in the Holly you know, or somewhere like that mm. he would have he would have been a John Burke's uh, niece's yeah. husband right 
So the old man said, there, yeah. I was a songwriting one. They were chatting away anyway. So there's already had to write a song called The Friends of Mine about the travellers, you see, and they knew, they knew about the song. And so I said, there's a fella there, I said, on to me, I said, Paddy, about bare knuckle box. And he said, do you have a box yourself? I did, he said, a couple down through the years. And so I said, you know, I didn't know where to go with this bare knuckle box. And I said, he's had to put it into my brain now, mm. and I, I want to fulfill it. And he turned around to me and he says, do you know who you need to meet now? He said, it's George Ice. And I said, do you know him? I do, yeah, he said, give me one minute. So he rang Davy there and then. He says, Davy, he said, Paddy Riley here. He said, I'm down in Cork. He said, with, with, with this fella, he says, he's a serious songwriter. No, he said, it's not, he's not joking. Yeah. And Davy said, uh, should I tell him up tomorrow? Like, and I was saying, sure, I can't come tomorrow, no. So Davy told him, give, him, give me his number. I rang Davy. And actually, in between Kira, you know, Grace's niece, Kira, yeah. had died uh, when the yeah. meeting was arranged. And, uh, Probably would talk. And so I, I, I rang the lads, I explained what happened. So about a month afterwards, then we, we went up to, up to the Joyce's in Moat. Uh, I met Davey, um, in, in a, in a car park or whatever, and he brought me out to Joe. And I remember, I, I, I actually said this to Davey and I said it to Joe's face, like, I said, lads, like, you know, I was warned not to come here, like. Mm. And they were like, I don't mind that. And I suppose you heard all the stories that my dad will kill you and he'd hate you and all this kind of stuff. And I said, that's exactly what I was told. They were like, no, 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 no. They were, they were fine. Jeez, the lovely people in the house was gleaming and the grub we were getting, the grub was unreal. Um, so I, again, I was like, there was nobody ever going to write a song about him mm. and nobody probably would ever have the bottle anyway to sit down with him because like, all yeah. these rumours, but I know the man personally and the rumours are false. Yeah. But, um, I hung around with Jordan for, for a while. Gas character, like. Yeah, he seemed like uh, a gas character already. He was brilliant. I think the one what age is he? Was, uh, when I met him, he was 64. So I would say you he's know, about 68 now. You know, when you see him in the videos, right? And he's a mad bastard now. Like, he's a nice fella and all that, but he's mad. There's no getting away from that. Imagine him when he was in his 20s and 30s. Yeah, yeah. very religious fella, like. Yeah. He says the travellers t- t- tend to be religious, mm-hmm. like. Yeah, and uh, he gave me a spin on the horse and the paddy lurch. And uh, as I say, we struck up a great friendship after. I still regular contact with, with, yeah. with all of them, like, you know. I'd Joe Ward is his grandson then. The boxer. Yeah, he won actually last week. Yeah, and uh, well, I was in contact with him as well, like, you know, but uh, Gas Character, I'm glad yeah. i done it. I've absolutely no regrets because it's probably one of my most famous songs, you know, mm. about the petrol, and yeah. he taught me the story about the petrol. I'd say he'd some bang up there, don't it? Uh, he was brilliant, sure, like, and uh, do you know what the thing about it is, the video is very hard to get now because the video is made off a phone. Yeah. It was only a ball hop. Little did we know, like, that, like, Tyson Fury was going sharing this to 1.1 million views. Mm. I screenshotted all the views before the videos were removed. Is the what, video removed now? It is because what was happening is there were so many fellas latched on that wanted a part of this. Uh, documentaries, money been thrown, we do a documentary and this and that. And I, I already had a professional videographer lined up anyway. And the plan was to go back after Christmas and do it. But so the horses bolted. Like by the time we got into Port Leash, Paul said to me, look at that. Paul Davis and there he does a lot of work for for me regarding bookings and yeah. uh, tech, and uh, it was sixty thousand people like on YouTube alone in in forty minutes. Like um, the song just went everywhere. But and the song is available to see on YouTube, isn't it? It's still there. What yeah. happened then was is I had to copyright all my stuff. You know, what's the name of it? Big George Eyes. Big George Eyes. Uh, I I had to copyright my music and my stuff. Um, yeah. 
But some clever fella did was he actually stood and recorded it off his device. Yeah. So it wasn't shared from my platform. Therefore, the copyright won't kick in because it wasn't taken from me personally. Fuck so, it. like, if you went on now and took something belonged yeah. to me, anything, I'd get a notification from YouTube saying your content and we are now have yeah. advised him to remove it. And if he doesn't, we'll have a gun in three days. Yeah. You know, I got an email from the Eagles um, record company to remove a video of me in the PAV playing Hotel California. Oh, yeah. I remember I put up a video there ages ago, I know, on my personal YouTube channel, my dogs, it was yeah. a, a Bob Marley track in the back. Yeah. And it was just... Um, they allowed me to use the video once I didn't monetize it. They, yeah. Like, I could use the track yeah. once I gave them credit and I wasn't making money from it, yeah. which was fair enough, yeah, you yeah. know. So, I don't know. Yeah. It's weird, though, that, like, it's your content, but it was still allowed to step there. Like, that was, that's a, a fucked up loophole, isn't it? Yeah, it, did. it was removed anyway. The path, like, like, on the path, I remember your aunt actually been there. She was up on the top, clear. She was up, and the reason I could see her was because the light on the way out to the smoking area was on her, like. But I actually sold out the path, right? Yeah. In 12 months. I was basically getting bookings, and then I was in the path. And what happened was there was a small little venue in Cork with about 40 people, and it was been discriminated against, but 100%, like, because... Uh, it's the north side and maybe you know, such a fella these fellas might show up here and it was mm. all yeah. at, at the beginning but I remember the drive right that's still within me today and why I keep doing this is because I called up to a fella one day and they said to me you know what could I could I go on there before you all get there and I have three songs they said and he went <coughs> you who the fuck Boy, you take it to see you, he said. He was on the phone, how degrading it was. Fucking right? Hell. He says, What a fucking agent, Wiles Gaffney, he says. He's up here on a money gaff, he says. Looking for me, with you fuck off by, will ya? Laughing, right? No, oh. do you ever see the mean machine, the goalkeeper, when yeah. he sees all oh, mad things happening? I was sitting on a chair like that, like visions of myself busting the guitar off his head, mm. and he laughing into my face, and then I was like, No, I don't. And, um, Hell. It was very degrading, Disrespectful, right? like, and like that to this day. Like every time I pick up a boy or to write a song, so just fell in the song of his name. Mm. But like, I think of him and I say, "Here's another one off you, bud." Yeah. I hope you hear this one. Do you know? What? But like, selling out the pav was 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 the makings of me and Roy Keane back in me first release mm. because you had such a superstar backing you, giving you his permission. To release this tune. And, did you ever uh, get to meet him? I did. Bob, is he? I tell you, no, no Bobby Donovan, no Handsome Bob. I do, yeah. Well, I know him from Cove, well, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Handsome was uh, running uh, a gig out in uh, Silver Springs for Cove. And Roy was uh, Roy was the guest speaker. A meet, uh, a Q&A. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> I never forget, I was up in Balancolic. Uh, I was up in Chili Paddy, getting a bit of grub. And uh, I came up on the radio. I said, this is it. This is the opportunity no ways. Don't leave it slip. So I rang Bob. I said, Bobby, what's the crack with Roy Keane? He says, yeah. He said, me no more. I said, you know what? No, Bobby. I said, I have the first disc of the take of his song. The first one ever, I said. And I'd love to give it to him. I put it into a frame, I said, for him. Bobby says, leave it with me. 
I left the goal to the committee about it. Bobby rang me back about two hours later. That's sorted, he said. What we're going to do is, he said, there'll be a break. And then John McHale, he said, will be the MC. And he'll, he'll call you then. you make your way up to the stage then, he said, in front of the people and present it to him on the stage. I, I was happy now to meet and read him out in the car. I said, yeah. all right, thanks, bye. Yeah. So I went up <laughs> to the stage anyway, right? Wild Gaffney and whatever. Next thing, anyway, he was sitting down. He was sitting next to Seamus McDonough. And next thing, he looked over and he see me at the side of the stage and he got up. And he walked to me. He started walking towards me. And uh, I put up my hand and I had the frame in the other hand. And I just said to him, uh, I said, Ry, I waited a long time, I said, to tell you thanks for the turn you done for me, I said, when I was a very, very sad, upset little boy, I said, and uh, I said, now was the time to return the favour, and that's why I wrote you the song. And he was, was a bit of chit-chat, you know, how are you getting on with yeah. and, and next thing I said to him before I left, I said, anywhere I, what do you think of the song? He said, it's pretty good, yeah. I said, well... It set for pretty good, I said, because if you said it's pretty good, I said it must be unreal hard know, yeah. And someone caught the two of us laughing in a picture. It's one of my favourite pictures, actually. The hands out. But um, I got to meet him, yeah, and I got to say thanks. Yeah. Uh, when we get him on the podcast one, it is. He seems to be very mellow these days, isn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's an alley too, like. Of course, he's sport his own all yeah. his life. Sort of, sort He's good. He's good at the, the commentating. You're going to get true words out of him every time he talks. Like, yeah. Don't you? I remember I put a thing up on one of my social networking sites one time. Jesus, why will you stop making career changes? Because my song is going to be like an opera of yeah? Because I have to keep changing it, you know? Yeah. You know? I, I'm actually at the moment trying to figure in how am I going to get Sky or Sky Pundit? How, how can I slip it in somewhere in the last verse? Just yeah. there. But yeah, I mean, as I wrote two songs this week, you know, I wrote a song one day, I wrote a song yesterday. I went to the studio yesterday, it was a disaster. I know, I had a medley, I was playing a medley on a whistle, and you know, in the end, we, we, we threw our hats at it. I, I said, look, I'll go home and I'll structure a guitar all to get around it in a flute. But um, I'm writing away, I'm mad at Christmas Day. I, I, I actually, for the first time ever, I, I gifted people songs. I wrote people songs as a gift, they didn't even know about it. I watched, I, I, I seen you singing one song, um, I hope they don't mind me now for saying, for Colin and oh, yeah. Sonny, oh, yeah. his partner, yeah. they lost a the child, um, yeah. and it was, it was beautiful, the song was beautiful, and, and I know it meant an awful lot to that couple, you know, it, it, uh, well, to it be was... shown how, how many people in the north side of the city and people that know them really care for them and their hearts are going out to them, you know, because I know they're going through a, a difficult time at the moment, you know, but that was that was phenomenal what you've done there for those yeah. two people, you know, so. As, as I was saying, as, as well, like, like helping people is, is, is what, like, if my name can help someone, I, I don't want any uh, attack in the back, no miles away. I don't want that at all. And what I was saying to you earlier, people putting up, I gave a homeless fella five or whatever to go out on Patrick's Bridge. Or, mm. Do you know all this? What, what, do you know why, why you're broadcasting it? I, I help someone every day in my life. And the reason I I do that is because of my faith, right? And I believe, right? Like, I, I have to see my mother again. Like, there's, there's, like, every day when I wake up, like, it's one day closer. Like, this meeting has to happen, like. Mm. And I believe... Through my faith in God, right? I believe in heaven and hell. And I believe that my good actions while I'm here on this, this earth in helping others that are in need, right? 
that please God that when it's my turn and if these gates are here and this man is here that judges you then he'll say do you know what you're actually alright you you, mm-hmm. you've done your man a turn there and you never look for it and back off him yeah. and that's why I do what I do all I do is sing a couple of songs around the place and write a few songs or whatever but you know a young fella wrote in his Christmas letter this year that he wanted to meet me for Christmas that's do you know what I mean classes, and I went up to his house Christmas Eve up Montanati the young fella was ecstatic eight years of age like that that meant so much to mm-hmm. me like his dad now showed me like what do you want for, I'd love to meet Miles Gaffney and he's singing the songs and do you know? Yeah, that's brilliant, and isn't it? It's like going back to Colin that time and Karen and, and Sonny. Like, nobody was going to go and, and collect Sonny anyway because nobody wanted to bring a deceased baby in a car like, and drive from Dublin. So, like, I remember when the job was tasked to me, I remember, I said, yeah, no problem. And I'd be big glass mirrors in the bedroom. I remember looking and saying, Miles, tomorrow you're going to Dublin and what's going to happen is you're going to experience something that's going to stick with you for the rest of your yeah. life. And there's no looking back now. You're after committing. You're going. And that's it. And i done it. And the reason I was able to write that song so quick and give it to them is because I was there. Mm. I witnessed it. I felt it. Mm. And when I was singing it, I closed my eyes and singing the lyric. I, I was reliving it. Mm. So that's why those songs... Like when I sing a song, I close my eyes. I can see what I'm singing in my head. I yeah. can visualize it. Even singing about, say, Teddy Mac now, like, like I can see in my mind t- a young Teddy Mac running out for Crow Park, like, yeah. with an all Ireland medal in his hand. And that's, that's my way of getting it across to the audience to connect. Cause I put my heart and my mind into putting the song across for people t- to connect with me, you know? Do you want to give us a song now? But of course. So, what's the name of the song? Which one do you want to do? We do one, do we? for the session or what? We, we, do, we do one or one, yeah. We do a couple, <laughs> we? Um, do you know what, lads? I'm going to do this song right first, right? Because um, I was very pissed off there last week. Uh, I was asked to um, to forward four songs or five to a charity um, gig that has been aired all across St. Patrick's Day. And I wrote this song called The Song for the Fallen Mother. And I received two Grammy nominations uh, back in 2017. And I won the Irish Folk Album of the Year of the same year. And I wrote this song back then. It was nominated. It's the story of a woman called Joan McDormand. She taught me her story. I went to her house one night about the mother and baby home and what mm. she endured there and what happened to her son. And, and uh, so I... I Pick five songs. And I really went over to me. We actually, with flags and everything, behind me for Paddy's Day. And uh, didn't I get a phone call after chap that was editing this online gig? I know this fella very well. And uh, he was up in a heap. Well, I'm sorry, you know, by the, after taking the song out. I said, what were you on about? He said, the song for the father mother, which I dedicated to his mother, mm-hmm. because she loves it. Uh, some fella... Involved anyway, didn't want to piss off the clergy, mind you. The clergy. Mm. No, it would have been the clergy's best interest maybe to go on before I sang it and make an apology. Yeah. But I couldn't believe that there's still, that there's people in Ireland still in their grip. Mm. And he wouldn't include this song because he didn't want to offend the parish priest. Mm. Yeah. 
No. And your man had no other choice. Like, the, I, I said, it's not too loud, but I know what you're saying. Sorry no. for you, man. So, this is a song, the song for the fall of mother. And, um, I was actually up in uh, Dublin a few weeks ago. Uh, it was funny. Me and Johnny were going through uh, in Shakur. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I said to Johnny, that's what Mickey Lennon was from there, huh? Yeah. That was grand, anyway. From up here, Johnny was saying. We went over to this recording studio. No, I had it. a pass from the Garda to travel. I went in the door, anyway, and this one says to me, uh, How are you? From Cork, yeah? Do you know James Lennon? Yeah. <laughs> I said, we were just talking about his dad, he said, around the corner. Rachel Kyo. Was it? Kyo, yeah. yeah. But you know, for that, you know, that show, they used a piece of our podcast for that as well. The Our interview yeah. with Catherine or Coffee O'Brien. Yeah, she's brilliant. Because the, the person that was, um, was that with, the, what was the, the Abbey, was it? Uh, the Abbey was the one in Kildare. There was a, anyway, for that, for that production. It's the actual. Yeah, I think that's what it was. But was that, was that broadcast on Paddy's Day? I'm not sure. Anyway, there was something broadcast about the mother and baby home, but I think it was all the same project. But they wanted to use um, a, a excerpt from our podcast for herself with Catherine. Oh, sorry, go on in there. Right, so that's, this is the song for the fallen mother. Superior dean from a frame as they christen me my fictitious name. Welcome to your hell on earth for the fallen mothers of the church. Where you're nothing, you're only dirt, and we'll sell your baby when you. Can I have him back if I keep going to Mass? Isn't this what you told me? As I scrub down on my hands and knees and you strip my flesh with your rosary beads with a blind eye of the powers to be what a price to pay for a pregnancy Snatched straight from their mother's breast The masquerading brides of Christ On their newborn wrists they slap the price Some little angels, they weren't saved And their mothers were kept as slaves And nobody knows their names They're buried in shallow 
silence, not even a whisper. Never forget your demonic sisters. Always remember you're the sinner as you caught the grass with your paper scissors. So I beg Jesus and Mary, would you let me keep my baby? Can I have him back if I keep going to Mass? Isn't this what you told me as I scrub down on my hands and knees and you strip my flesh with your rosary beads to the blind eye of the powers to be? What a price to pay for a pregnancy. from the walls Babies cries they hug holes. They hug All of us All of us Very nice, good nice. Very powerful boy yeah. You have a very powerful voice and you only notice yeah. it when you're right next to you like that. Fucking and do you know hell. something old lads? I've been carrying an injury there after a gig one night, right? I got this pain, right? I'm not joking, you know. It's the worst pain I ever had in my life. I'm after spending nearly nine thousand euro trying to solve it. Um I come in from a gig and I just burn my face, my ear, my teeth, my jaw. Couldn't figure it out. MRI scans. You name it, mm. jaw surgeons. This fella one time up in the bands gave me a tablet called Tegretal. I'm telling you now, I was... That's for epilepsy. Out. I was in an awful condition, sleep yeah. and everything, couldn't drive, threw me away. You wouldn't believe this. You know, I'm a postman. Yeah. I was on Popsky, walking along. The week after we done the make some noise gig, the shine a light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, John Cowell, he's, he, he is a businessman on Popsky, and he says to me, well, I enjoyed the... The gig by last Friday, he says, I never knew that you wrote them songs about Cork, you know, because I kept to that kind of thing because it was our local crowd. And there was a woman with him. She just shoved me against the wall like that, James, to me. Boom. She said, see your shoulder, that one. I said, yeah. She said, it's all over the place. And she said, you know, the way it's hanging down like that, she said. It's dragging your face over. Bet you've an awful pain there. What? I said, come here. I said, I may have to been to every surgeon. Every specialist, I said, trying to figure this out. The only person I got relief off was Janice Dupuy with the dry needle, right? Yeah. So I started looking to more. Next thing, she said, right, I've done that in my hand. And I could feel the whole thing just going, hmm. the pain was gone. Jeez. So what I need now, when this pandemic is over, How did I you... just need somebody to realign. She said, it's actually coming from here. The bottom may be back. Realign your spine, she said. How did I she know? She was, uh, I think she was a nurse back in her day. And oh. uh, just from looking at me, that's what she done to me now, don't pull up ski. Boom. Push me up against the wall, push that back. She said, how do you feel? I was like, jeez, that's great. She said, because your shoulders are out of place. So what must have happened that night? I was giving a welly and the guitar. Mm. What must have happened was I went like that, yeah. pulled whatever here, and kept playing every night. 
Mm-hmm. I never gave a time to rest where it became a permanent problem. Yeah. But like, I, I was looking this thing up about jaw pain. They were telling me that, um, it was telling me it was, it was called the suicide disease. That, 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 the, that the pain was so unbearable. And I was reading this stuff on Google. Says, I was saying, I was <laughs> saying to myself, Jesus Christ. Reason number 248, well, you never Google it. Because <laughs> yeah, you get some fucking diagnosis. I don't believe that now. And I, <laughs> I, I could hit higher notes before, but this thing uh, is hindering me, so I, I hope to go back higher now. Uh, um, well, once I get it sorted, but that's, that's what happened to me. I used to be a whole lot of ice on me, lying down uh, like that with a packet of ice on me. You've heard of tennis elbow, now we have single shoulder. Ah, single shoulder. <laughs> I have tennis elbow too. Want to give us another man? I will, lads. Do you know what? Um, as you saw it there, the yeah. two Norris there. Um, two handsome bastards, boy. So I, I, I wrote this song when my wife was on our, when I was on our hen because I wrote it because I was sick to death of, uh, of, of myself being discriminated. I was called a Northside Knacker a few times. I was actually called a Northside Knacker by a foreman of a very, very big company in Cork. Um, and... It was, it was diffused by another foreman at the time and I, I, I'm not that type, I left the go. But didn't I see him one night out on the dog track? The Milners, the Milners are back from America, mm. Stephen and Kenneth, loads of us now, I tell you, it was 30, 30 bodies from, from Nottingham in the north side went to the dog track. And there he was. And I said, there he is, I didn't see him for years. So he went into the jacks. I went in and I said, hi kid. And he went, do we know each other? Proper silver spoon man now, I reckon. I said, do you not remember me? I said, I'm the Northside Knacker. And he went, what? I said, remember, remember you caught me in Northside Knacker? I said, outside the Parnell pub when we were out in uh, the drinks night out. I said, do you know what you do, bud? Wash your hands there, I said. There's, there's about 30 more Northside Knackers over. I said, get your old Alice. I said, get your drink, come over, we buy you one. <laughs> i tell you, I looked over where he was standing, he went there on the wall. Well, uh, Quicker than the dog going out the door. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I wrote this song as... Uh, for people putting the north side down and, and that, that was, that was my logic behind it. I was sick of it myself. Found it very hard to get gigs and stuff at the start when I, when I was starting out music because where I came from. But the fellow one time saying to me, uh, no, what you should do now? If I, you know, I get rid of all them Ralph Lauren clothes you'd be wearing. That's my thing. That's my hobby. I buy Ralph Lauren clothes. That's mm-hmm. all I wear. And he said to me, uh, he says, uh, but I'll get a pair of boots or pea cap or waistcoat or check on shot. He says, your career will go way forward very fast. Like, and I was looking at him saying, like, what's that supposed to mean? Like, no, yeah. like they were on about the way I was dressing. And I, I, I did stand out like a sore thumb. Lose your identity, like. I remember Crowley's opened their music shop up in the Alva Plunk when I, upstairs in the Alva Plunk and I went to the ground to open up. It was in like a leper to me. It was like, man. The only person actually to come over and talk to me that night, probably the most high profile singer in there on the night was John Splane. He came over Miles Hawaii. I didn't know him that well at the time, but he came over talking to me. He just wanted the ground to open up. Mm-hmm. Stay with me, man. All these little clicks. Yeah. Like, I, I, I ditched it after that, didn't bother going to anything. We can like all that. relate to that in some yeah. way. I suppose everybody that's watching, there's a lot of people that are watching as well, can relate to being in situations where they're just been left out. It's, it's honest, like, it's like the young fella that's, um, left over after the two teams are after being picked. Yeah. And he's standing there on his own, and the two teams, it's the same thing. Yeah. Neil and the head. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I remember fellas talking about each other. Yeah. And a few weeks later, then I see them all playing together. I was saying, like, in, in the world where I, where I grew up and where I come from, you get badly hurt mm-hmm. for carrying on like that, mm-hmm. for backstabbing and talking about a fella. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I said, no, that's why you never see me in, in the city, in the room, the clicks, all right? And mm-hmm. I just, I said, no, this, this, this is not for me. It's always good to hold on to your identity in the yeah. face of pressure. When I hear people talking like that, I always think of Lynn Rowan. 
because she's in uh, the Shannon in Shannon Airden, a politician, um, with her Air Max and her yeah. fucking dress or her yeah. tattoos. But there was something fucking funny there recently. She was in the Shannon, right? And the uh, Kahorok, the chair, was dressing her. And she says, uh, one minute, uh, Kahorok, I can't get my mask off over my hoops. Is she be a hoop? Yeah, right? Do you know what I mean? But, but like, fuck a fair play to her. She's yeah, one man for identity. But do you, know, do you know what the likes of her and the likes of you and people that have, uh, uh, what, what did you say? Identities, large yeah. identities, like, it's like he that others will follow and say, Do you know what, this is who I am. Just be proud this of it. Is, yeah, just keep going. Like, yeah. And I love, do you know, if I'm out um, in town or whatever um, and the kids are with me and, and I see somebody that's really unique, dressed uniquely yeah. or looks so different, I, I think it's great because you're looking at a bit of art, something yeah. completely uh, different, different to the norm. Yeah. And I think that's, that's how it, that's yeah. that's more attractive to me than and that was my philosophy to, to me starting out like like I was looking at all these fellas writing the same old songs the same old thing mm. you know and I was like nah stick to me identity you know represent yourself Miles your working class I loved working class I'm so proud to be from the working class yeah. the area yeah. of Cork City I just love it and I was like no I don't and I think it's been said to me actually that differentiates you Miles from everybody else because you're different and you, you'll do things that nobody else will do. Mm. Do you know? I walk, I, I go in out to Cypress Avenue and there'll be three or four hundred people in there to see me and I go in there like that. And mm. I pick up my guitar and I walk out onto the stage and sing away for two hours and it's brilliant. And the best thing of it all is for me is when you look, open up your eyes and look down at a crowd of people singing a song that you wrote. Mm. It's the best feeling for me ever. Do you I know? I mean, see that north side till we die. Like, yeah. I sang that one day. Me, if he'll play that for me up in Crow Park, right? When they won the All Ireland, right? in a very historical ground in Ireland, yeah. on a national stadium, and they played me there, and, and, and I was so happy. Yeah. And they asked me to come up to Mayfield and sing it, right? <laughs> and I'm telling you now, there was about 400 people singing it. I sang it for about 15 minutes straight. Kept going, going, because yeah. they kept going, I kept going. I, I just had to stop in the end, but there's no better feeling in the world. Like Mayfield is a massive part of the North Side. Yeah, yeah. huge. They're all massive parts of the North Side. It's my stronghold, actually, believe it or not, because we can tell from ticket sales where yeah. people are. And like a quarter of tickets for a gig in Cork are sold in the general Mayfield area. Mayfield is probably the biggest geographical location of the north side. It's probably the biggest area in the north side. Wouldn't it be mm-hmm. most populated, anyway? Yeah, Mayfield. It would be, yeah. Mayfield, so. yeah. Mayfield yeah. is vast, like. Yeah, it is. So if it you is. go from, look, we're getting very technical here now for the people that are not from Cork, but if you can go from Tivoli over as far as Ballandary Park and everything in between. Yeah, and from, say, and from the swimming pool down as far as Lord and Moor, yeah. the big, and back down, I went up as far as, what's that, Ashmont and all yeah. that area. It's huge the big area. spot, like. Yeah. But, uh, do you want to give us another song before I we will. close? So. I will, so let's. Northside Till I Die. So I'm talking Northside Till I Die. And as they say, I always dedicate this song to somebody. The last time I played Cypress Avenue, I dedicated it to poor old Frankie Dunn. Mm, um, might be Frankie. And I, uh, I used to go into Simon and sing a few songs when, when, when we could. And... One day I went in there and one of the lads walking in the kitchen said to me, uh, there's a guy in here, he said, and he's saying a lot of nice things about you and you see a great time fan. He had said that I uh, was very helpful for, for to the people and that I um, that, that, that I was stuff for my people and I represented the north side and I was very uh, 
very moved by it. I mm. thought it was a lovely thing to say about me, and I was very happy that somebody thought of me like that. And I asked him who it was, and he said it was uh, Leon Kavanagh. And Paul O'Leon was buried today, actually. He was, yeah. Um, and I'm very grateful to say that Leon Kavanagh spoke so highly of me. Mm. And I think it's the least I could do this evening but dedicate the North Side till we die to, to, to Leon Kavanagh and his family. Yeah. Till I die, in till I die. I sure I am. I know I am. Outside till I die. I hold oh, the north side till I die. The north side till I die. I sure I am. I know I am. Outside till I die. Oh, we have Knocker and Churchfield and old Blackpool And up in the north, man, where I went to school I grew up on the north side, doing no harm I was born and raised on Redemption Road, I used to be a farm Oh, I'm north side till I die, the north side till I die Sure I am, I know I am, north side till I die I'd listen to the stories me nan she would tell Stories about Blarney Street and the jail on Sunday as well And the stories about the North Chapel and the Shannon Bell she tell About Nashes and the Colquay and out Spangle Hill as well She was North Side till she died, the North Side till she died Sure she was, I know she was, North Side till she died When I sing the voice of fairy, it gives me such a thrill. Stories about the ladies and the boys up Dublin Hill, the Glen Farnley and Mayfield, and Granabraher too. They all make up the north side, it belongs to me and you. Oh, we're north side till we die, we're north side till we die. Sure, we are, we know we are north side till we The people from the north side, they watch each other's backs. And if you call to a door, you'll be greeted with tea and snacks. To be called an orange, it fills my heart with pride. And no matter where I roam, my home is the north side. Oh, I'm north side till I die. The north side till I die. Sure I am, I know I am north side till I die. If there's a north side up in heaven I know I'll be the king And when I walk in the gates Up the north side I will sing And all the folks they'll stand there That I've waited to see They'll be Christine Long and Vinnie O'Brien And Adrian Keating And they were north side till they died They were north side till they died Sure they are, I know they are North side till they die Lads, this is your voice You! 
Two of the boys from the north side They turned their life around From the depths of addiction A new pattern life they found Now they offer people a platform To talk of the future, present and the past It's Timmy and James The two Norris podcast And they are north side The north side they die Sure they are, I know they are North side till they die Oh, the north side till we die The north side till we die Oh, sure we are, sure we know we are North east till we die Very good There we go, all That's brilliant you made history tonight. Rowan, sorry, baby. <laughs> you got the if, you're, if you're looking for a Danny Dancers, give Rowan a show. <laughs> I heard he was a yes, no uh, one two step. Uh, I'd say you don't have to get uh, the crowd going when when you sing that inside ah, in pubs. Yeah. Like. Do you know what? No, I wrote that when my wife is away on her hen, right? Yeah. And do you know what? I ended up back in a party with uh, yourself, Gummy, mm. uh, Danny Sherlock from Mallow, Alan Kelleher, and Popsy Sullivan. and I was out to get my first radio player that Friday morning and um, we went back to the party anyway and uh, the Neil Prendeville rerun do you know at night was on the radio and Keller says uh, you're on the radio there I heard it the other morning and I don't know was it Gavin or Alan said do you know what you should do Miles you should write a song about the North Side bye and all that kind of stuff been discriminated against and stuff mm. from where we're from and getting a bad name all the time I said, you know what? I'll have a go off it. So we went, I went down to the top of the hill then the next day for the cure. But didn't I have the song written? They never forget it. Me seven gummy went into a speed. I was, oh, mother of God. I tell you, like, the grub. I tell you. And we went up for the cure. I think I went for the cure. He went home, I'm sure. And um, we, we were inside the pub and there was a sing song. And I, I was after writing that that night. And uh, I started singing it. And I remember Spider, John Cronin, and they uh, plug along and they do that their hands. Yes! And they were saying, <laughs> they love it. I said, go on, kid. Last night till we die. And they were only after hearing it. And yeah. they were singing it. And then they, they'd all go quiet then. Yeah. And I'd sing the verse. And then once I got back, no, it was, it was, it was like, yes, we have something. Because it has that kind of a chant, football chant yeah, with yeah. that anybody can just join in. And, and, uh, and uh, since then, I was actually kind of embarrassed at the time. I said, sing this, no, they'd be all mocking me or whatever. <laughs> And I always have to say it too, like that, like, this is not a dig at anyone. This is just proud of where we come from. No, it, over time I've put one in about the South Side as well, because yeah. my grandfather, Eddie O'Neill, yeah. he was from the South Side. Yeah. Do you know what? He's in the song. If I came from the South Side, I don't know how yeah. I'd feel. Yeah. My granddad came from the South Side. His name was Eddie O'Neill. Yeah. Do you know what? And yeah. like, South Side, I have cousins out there. Yeah. But, um, but at the end of the day, it's so just being like, proud of being a cock person. So, yeah. Yeah. West, Walk, walking North. Class. East. Yeah. it's just we're, we're all the same at the end of the day it's just yeah. Yeah. do you know what gets to me like is people looking down I always had a problem with authority mm. not a problem with authority you're people, in the right podcast so. <laughs> people who inf- enforce authority yeah. you know some fella remember when I walked my fellas years ago to get a promotion they're gone out of your canteen then they're in the new canteen mm. don't talk to them no more then that kind of stuff that yeah. don't me at all yeah. and um, I, I always had a, had, a, had a problem with authority uh, if some fella asked me to do something nicely, there'd be no problem. But I'd have to pull a fella up then if I thought he was yeah. mistreating me. 
Um, you know, I'd, I'd say myself and James would probably had problems with him at some stage in our lives as well. I would that blow always in the back of your head. He, he, uh, he, he, he's doing this to me because I'm from the north side. Like mm-hmm. that's the way I would think. Yeah. You know, I, I think we, we there's times where we could have an inferiority complex, or mm-hmm. certainly I speak for myself. Any maybe a kind of a low self esteem about where yeah. you're from, especially when you're in an area that's. Or in a, in a, in a context where there's no an outsider, you know what I mean? And you might feel like, I don't know, it's, it's something that I've kind of got more comfortable as I got older and become more settled and I suppose confident. But when I was younger, I used to always kind of feel like, I don't know, I was that inferiority. I, I'm from the north side and when I say where I'm from, I want to look at me differently, that type of thing, yeah, you know? But, it, it, but the song is about embracing it, being proud of it. And that's what you're doing with your music. And that's, that's, and that's life. What you're doing with the podcast. That's in life. That's life is about embracing yourself, embracing your shit, embracing, embracing who you are, you know, and just going with it and, and learning and just, yeah. just becoming that person you're always supposed to be, you know, and, and, but you have to overcome some difficulties as well before yeah. you can actually be that person yeah. that when you look in that mirror, you haven't got a problem with the person that's looking back. No, I'm very, that's the key, like. I'm very satisfied with my yeah. life today, you know. Yeah. I have a great job. My kids are healthy. We have a lovely home. We want, we have everything we need. Um, and I, I, I gave up holding grudges and bitterness. There's people, there's one or two fellas around place wouldn't talk to me. That's fine. I can sit in this chair this evening knowing that that's not my fault. And I actually slewed one fella three times. Now he still ignored me. But when I see him the next time, I'll slew him again. Mm. I, like, unfortunately, there's, there's people related to me and stuff like that. Just relationships just went estranged mm. over the years and people said things. And yeah. But again, I Can't can believe. sit here content in mm. myself like that. Like, I did nothing wrong to these people. Mm. Anybody I ever did wrong to, I apologised. and mm. put my hand up. And for the last few years, I'd be saying to Grace, they're at home. You f- really like, are you actually getting that excited over a rat cover? Yeah. Are you actually getting, can't, like, it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's <laughs> relevant to me, like, right? yeah. this stuff is, this material, material stuff, it's relevant in life. Yeah. It's not, as you said, money or podcast, it's nice to have things. Mm-hmm. But like, this whole keeping up and, yeah. I was one of them. I wanted my first house, 21 years of age, big mortgage, big four bedroom house. Honda Civic, spoilers, the whole lot, flashy boy, up in the pub, what are you having? You having to get that there? Mm. One in the morning, you're going to this price of a slice yeah. of mm. I can jack the lad around the road, yeah. and like, and I, I live that, like, I don't want that anymore. I'm happy you now with me a couple of, uh, me, uh, red flannel hats and, and a couple of t-shirts and a coat yeah. and a pair of Max. And that's me happy and a bit of paper and a boy wrote and, yeah. and I write in a few songs. It's a great place to be. Takes wisdom and maturity. And GM Sally, this COVID-19, I gave none of my energy, right? I didn't comment on Facebook or anything. Because I fellas that would write a song about it, I said, look at me, fuck. I just say mental, depression. Uh, but what it taught me is, was life in the fast lane. I live my life in the fast lane all, all my life. No time for, for mm. just, 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 I'd be going everywhere. Like, I come in from what no still, I go straight to the tumble dryer. Straighten in that there, I'd fall in. Mm. Uh, I'd so be down upstairs, Grace, I'd go up and I'd do it. Do mm. you know what? I'm always in the go. I don't watch telly or anything like that. Yeah. But, what it taught me, right, is the children. For the first five or six weeks into, say, this time last year, right, mm. I was still caught in that rut 
home loaf from work and there five o'clock now in live and the internet inside in the kitchen and the kids in the front room now they can't come out now lock them in there for two hours do you know but then after a while I was up to tell us and I'd play but all the speakers up to tell us playing for all the neighbours and everything yeah. but after a while coming in from work and the kids were like hey dad and I was like hi I'm hugging hey, can you play for us today dad of course I can yeah and it, the penny dropped like on a Sunday like I'd be in bed late. And the reason I went back to work was because I could see these habits starting to kick in with me, especially so I don't drink. I was never a big drinker as such, like one night a week would do me. Like I started having two, three, four bottles, five, six, Thursday, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, mm. seeing a pattern starting to form, mm. revolving around music and that whole environment. So that's why I decided to go back to work. I was making a handy living out of playing music full time. Now I only do gigs that kind of matter or important, you know. But going back to it, the kids like, and I was saying to myself, on a Sunday, they all been rushed home. I ain't getting out of bed at one o'clock, seedy, after been out travelling all night, into town for the dinner. We were down every Sunday for our dinner. It was kind of a treat, kind of a family thing because I was missing all week. And then, come on, oh, come on, dad, daddy has to be here. Uh, Daddy has to be somewhere up for six o'clock or seven o'clock, all into the car, big hollow blue. Do you know? And what I've noticed is like my family time with my children now is brilliant. All of them. Do you know? I never like my uncle and all playing games, playing action heroes, playing Nerf guns, do you know, cuddling them, watching the telly, uh, simple things, movie nights, Friday night, popcorn and a couple of glasses of coke and I ne- I I was missing all that because I was so caught up in I suppose I should have better myself and get progress yeah. in the music but there's other ways to progress in music yeah. I have a manager who'll meet me in the morning yeah. please God and we'll get something going in the UK but, but like where I was running to basically meant nothing at the end of I the day I know but Covid slowed us all down and it made us value and realise what was actually important and it was yeah. just the connections and the family and all that yeah. but we're going to have to leave it there because we're going yeah. to no reduce yeah. on the battery cool, but right? you represented yourself really well and your area your yeah. family you have a great voice. Thanks so much Thanks, for this. Thanks, I really yeah. appreciate you, know? you having me. And we're proud of you. We're very proud of you. We're proud of you. And do you know something? Do you know, actually, before we go around, CDs, one day I said, Timmy Long, down to Timmy Long's house in Churchfield. Timmy was out in the drive. I said, Timmy, why in the name of God, what are you buying? But I had been there the day before as well, and Nicole went there, and I brought, I brought down to Brownie's house. Mm-hmm. And he says, me and James Leonard, he says, I swear to God, <laughs> I stopped up a podcast, so I was the postman who delivered this stuff. Yeah, all the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the, actually, that one was damaged. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, uh, that's true. Look, yeah. That's a great story to finish on. Thanks again. Thanks very much. Thanks, Ron. Thanks and we'll see you all again next week. See you later. Thank you. Ruby Frankie was known by millions as a very tough mom. That's exactly the way she wanted it. The social media star amassed a huge following of supporters and detractors alike, preaching the values of strict discipline. But you'll learn in a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus how the small empire built by this momfluencer crumbled the moment her 12-year-old son escaped their home and called 911. Wondery and Law & Crime bring you the new podcast, The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie, which explores the allegations of starvation, torture, 
and emotional abuse leveled against Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt. Learn about the family's path to stardom, the depravity investigators uncovered inside the home, and hear in-depth analysis of the ongoing criminal trial. Listen to the rise and fall of Ruby Frankie exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.